Orale. Amigos, and welcome to the Familia FFP podcast. I am your host, Jorge Martin, and Familia, I'm fired up on this Wednesday. Fire it up on this Wednesday night. It is, it's, it's, it's a good time. Uh, we are live on YouTube. I got some friends with me to join, to join with me and, and talk a little fantasy football, but familia, uh, first off, please make sure you're doing us a like and subscribe on YouTube. Uh, at our familia FFP. I would really appreciate it. Uh, you know, first off, I'm going to start up familia. This week, we've got not just one, but two invitados de lujo that I'm just so excited about. They're return guests uh, from last offseason, and after the Super Bowl, I wanted to bring them on to just be, you know, to be able to talk about this subject that we're about to break out. But I'm going to start off back on the East Coast. El hombre. You know him as e at Eagle Dan FF, uh, Dan Turner. He is the co-host of the wonderful champion champions round round podcast uh, at champions round on twitter with stephanie smalls our amiga of the show and he does some writing for in between for that site as well as in between media also amigos of the show and since i grew up hating the cowboys i'll call out that he is a member of eagles nation so fly eagles fly dan muchas gracias for joining us uh, thanks for having me jorge it's a, it's a real pleasure to to be on with you again talking some uh, some zero rb uh football especially after you know what what went down uh, last year and uh, with cows i guess it'll be a lot of fun i can't wait awesome awesome well cal you guys know him as calvin and hobby cal shoemake he's just i mean he's he's i mean these guys are both awesome and, and i just can't i can't say enough i mean about both of them you know cal's a writer creates incredible video content for dynasty league football at dlf at dl football and he's midstream on a fantastic series called the Dynasty Refinery for Refinery that's getting a great follow this offseason. He's getting some big heavy hitters, bigger than me. So, and speaking of hitters, he and I are both pretty pissed off at Major League Baseball that oh. it's on a pause. So, um, <laughs> Cal, let's let's get yeah, let's let's uh, get a little ticked off. We can be a little ticked off a second. We'll we'll raise a cold one or something to baseball. Mm -hmm. Lighting a veladora. So, uh, the please, please, please get baseball back. Uh, we need something to distract us until, you know, except for the combine and uh, the NFL draft. But uh, mis amigos, welcome to the Familia FFP podcast. As we'd say in Spanish, bienvenidos, porque están en su casa. You are in your home. Make yourself at home. Gracias for joining us. Thank you so much. Of course. And hey, congratulations, by the way. Like, I will never forget sending you the congrats about the Super Bowl victory. And your response was, wow, I think I'm too sober right now. <laughs> <laughs> Always love that response. <laughs> oh, man. You know, it is so funny. I was so tensed up at the end of the game. I, di I didn't want to get up to get another beer or something. I wanted another one, but I just didn't. I was just I, I was so nervous and uh, mm -hmm. things were breaking right. So I didn't want to get 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 a little too crazy. But yeah, it was uh, incredible, incredible. The Rams won. We're still on a high out here in L.A. Uh, mm -hmm. And, and uh, hopefully just uh, yeah, I, I'm not going to get greedy. I'm not going to get greedy. I just want Aaron Donald back. And I, I just want Cooper back, Cooper Cup healthy. And uh, mm -hmm. Cam Akers does it, you know, get, uh, keeps getting better. But no, it's awesome. It's awesome. And uh, mis amigos, you guys can help me break some news that uh, just came out on Twitter for uh, calling out the Family FFB podcast. Fantasy Points Media Group uh, has uh, 
a subsidiary of Fantasy Points, has asked us to be a part of their media group. So I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. Ben Kukanis, a little bit ago, he gave us a shout out and announced the announced the agreement. And yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. Some heavy hitters. I've gotten to be friends with a couple of people on there. Edwin Porras is uh, kind of like my compadre. Grant Barfield has been on a, uh, been on with me, and uh, we we talk about baseball all the time uh, via text and phone. So uh, just really looking forward to just keep uh, keep growing this podcast. So as you guys know about uh, trying to trying to grow shows. So uh, you know, thanks for being a part of this announcement, mis amigos. The Fantasy Points media team got better today, and I'm I love to see it. And uh, congrats on that news. But yeah, I think they're they're getting a great, great person and great, uh, great fantasy analyst. And I, uh, yeah, congrats, serious congratulations on the news for you. And then they, yeah, I think it's great for them too. So that's awesome. Absolutely. You know what? What kind of said? Actually, Steph and I were talking about because we're talking about you coming on the show. I mean, like, or you're probably the nicest guy on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Like you, you. No one can say anything bad. Like you're always mm-hmm. like you're having so much fun with podcasts. You're always like trying to help out. Like no one deserves it more than you do. It's fantastic that that they picked you up. Like they got so much better. Like you guys deserve it. I'm so I'm so proud of you. Well, thank you. And, and you know what? Uh, behind the scenes, you know, you guys have been, you know, just uh, you know, part of as you guys and the thieves have been just great. You know, just. Great supporters. Number one, you guys put out great stuff yourselves. So you make me want to get better. So that's number one. And, and just number two, everybody just, you know, you guys have been such great. Uh, I mean, not, not just cheerleaders, but I mean, you guys have just been, uh, you know, given great, great, you know, support, uh, Cal, you, I mean, just both of you. It's, it, it's been awesome. I, I can't thank you enough. Can't thank you enough. You guys have had me on your shows Been we've shared screens plenty of times. So incredible incredible so i want to talk about sharing screens and sharing stuff but uh i want to uh ask you guys something something particular about what you're working on right now 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 dan you got a little bit you got you got us you got several of us a little bit jealous when you got to be at the senior bowl so uh beyond getting getting uh you know howie roseman asking you for a photo op so <laughs> beyond that by the way check his twitter account uh and you'll see that as the uh, as as the id photo mm-hmm. but um seriously what um what were some of the highlights for you from that senior bowl i think uh, personally for me uh, one of the highlights was getting to interview the players uh you know getting to you know just get to that, that that grand level. Just see them as, as as people. Talk to them about you know how hard they worked and, and what their aspirations were, and realizing like yeah, you know we 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 sometimes take fantasy football too seriously, and we always like you know yell at these plays. But these are just these are just people. They're regular guys. You know they've been trying really hard their entire lives to get to this point, and you know seeing them with their their dreams like in reach and knowing it, like you know a good performance at the Senior Bowl basically you know can decide that their future. So it was really awesome to see, you know, I had some really good interviews. I interviewed Calvin Austin, uh, Bill Mellon, and a couple of guys like that. Uh, so it was really, it was really awesome to 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 get to know them more at a, at a personal level uh, for me. And and obviously, you know, watching the practices and and and, and the game and to see, you know, the, just how much you know talent uh, that there is in, in in this class. You know, this class has gotten a lot of hate, uh, for me included. You know, I didn't think much of this class, but you know. Seeing the performances down there and really looking at it, like this class is, is not maybe not as top heavy as others, but it's it's pretty deep. You know, there are going to be a lot of guys that that you know are drafted later on that are going to perform. So I'm really excited to see uh, where all these guys go. 
Awesome. And you know what? I love that. I always uh, equate it back to, you know, when you're talking, hearing you talk about it, it reminds me of, you know, the baseball days where I would see those guys at AAA and just kind of on the precipice mm. of, I'd see them in spring training and you know that they're close and you could see that in them and you see the talent and you, and you see that dream coming about to come true. And it's just, oh, it's just so special. It's just so special. Mm -hmm. You can't, it gives you a little extra rooting interest for that. I'm sure Calvin Austin is going to be on plenty of your dynasty rosters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> as many as I can get him on. <laughs> <laughs> is he going to run the fastest at the combine this he, week? I, I, I think he will. Yeah, I think. I think he will. I don't think it'll be a surprise. I think a lot of people expect him to run fast. I think it'll be faster than people think he'll run, though. Oh man! I, I might actually, you know, you know, I might actually go on the record and think he might challenge for John Ross's record. I think that's how fast he'll run. Four two two, baby. Four two two. I think he has. I think he has it in him if he runs, oh, it, if he runs well. Love it. Love it. And Cal, you've had something awesome, uh, awesome. And you know, I, I teased it a little bit at the beginning. Dynasty Refinery has just been so eye-opening in so many ways. I mean, I, I mean, for me, one of the coolest things, because as I'm getting more into rankings, uh, doing rankings, I dabbled in it last year. This year I'm gonna do it full time. Uh, but you know, when when Heath Cummings mentioned mm. that that dynasty as well as redraft redraft rankings i mean it was just kind of like pff, moment what have been what's been your highlights of that uh, of that great one by the way follow it at dl football uh on on youtube yeah yeah I, so I, i'm so glad thank you for the kind words i appreciate that the feedback has been has, has been really good i i i sort of played with this concept of how i was going to try to pull that pull information out because i i wanted to do something that i thought was interesting i wanted it to be different enough that you know like uh you know, it was something that I wanted to, you know, I guess kind of invest in and think that especially for new new players or like you said, like everything ranging from new players, but all the way to you're trying to put together projections and rankings. And I want to bring in just like some some people with some very specific skills of what I I I perceive them as being very, very good at and ways that I've learned from them. And I wanted to have them on and interview them. And it's it's gone really well and the one with Heath Cummings was so much fun I, you know I've, I've done a few shows with him before but um you know and this one just deep diving in on the projections and there were some aha moments for me too like I think that's what's so cool I interviewed Adam Harstead who's just brilliant and that's another one like it's just so cool to go check out because he he makes you think if nothing else you're gonna think and you know I always I was brought up with the saying you can give a man a fish and feed him for a day, or you can teach a man to fish and feed him for the rest of his life. And I think that is the goal is to teach people how to fish through that series. And it and really that, is. It, yeah. I love that. I love that. And, and, oh, oh my goodness. And uh, Dan also uh, champions round. I mean, you guys, yes. you guys just had an episode. I think it was last night, right? Uh, you and Steph. When I'm at the show, uh, what are what are some? Of the, I mean, we could talk about this at the end of the show, but I mean, any you want to tease anything for uh, the off season that you, you're working on? The one last week was awesome. Oh, thank you. Or two weeks ago, when was it? I was on. That's what I. <laughs> that, was, that was last week. Last week it was awesome. I didn't want to say anything because Steph's probably watching. But no, I'm kidding. No, no that was a fun show. Uh, no, right now we're in the middle of our actually our combine series. We're just going over you know every uh, position. Uh, basically, that's going to be. Um, debuting probably later in the week, um, and then really it's it's really building uh, building out our our, our dynasty um, portfolio pretty much. Like it's still a newer company, so we don't have as 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 much as as we'd like. But it's really exciting uh, to basically build it from the ground up, uh, and hopefully you know 
be going over, uh, over free agency. You know, when the draft comes, we'll probably do like a live draft or something like that. But uh, it's really exciting to, to, to see the kind of things that we're going to be putting out putting, uh, going forward. No, awesome. Awesome. Well, one thing you guys have both put out is I love that you're both uh, zealots for zero RB. Oh, but first off, I, w- I, w- I forgot to ask the, the combine. Anything you guys are looking for? I know you mentioned, uh, Dan, you mentioned you, you're expect. You, I'd love that we'd, we'd all love to see somebody break John Ross's record. Anything mm-hmm. you, is there one thing that you guys are looking for each this week on, on at, at the combine? I'm looking for one if the receivers can, the senior receivers can build on their senior bowl performances. Uh, but I really am interested to see how well uh, Malik Willis throws. I think, you know, at the senior bowl, we all saw that he could run, but we all knew that he could run. I mean, he, we know he's probably the most athletic of the QBs. We didn't really get to see uh, as much throwing as we would like. Um, so I think that's really important. That's really the major question mark everyone has on him. Uh, so if he does a really good performance there, he'll probably be, you know, shooting up draft boards and will be the obvious, the obvious number one overall pick in, in super flex drafts. So that's what I'm looking for. How about you, Cal? Two things. One, the quarterbacks, I mean, I, just to see how they sort out. So kind of piggybacking on what uh, what Dan said there, because I, I don't know that people, even the NFL uh, front offices have their board fully set on the quarterback and the rankings they have for them and who they're targeting and who they want, if anyone, right? I think that's kind of what, you know, that is interesting now is a lot of the mock drafts, the quarterbacks seem to be falling into like later in the first round. And so as information comes out and they get inside information, does that, does that change? Does anybody stand out and you start seeing like, you know, somebody get into that top 10 or, does it continue to go the other way after getting a chance to see them? I think it could go either way. This 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 um, this season is very interesting, especially from dynasty perspective. But I'm going to be listening to the quotes from the GMs and the owners too, because that is the other thing that uh, on my interview with Sigmund Bloom, we're talking about deciphering the offseason news cycle that could be so hard. And he, he talked about how the combine is is one of the ways that historically you can glean something from. Like yes, there's going to be coach speak. But there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of truth if you can cipher through it in the combine and in the news. So looking for that. Yeah. Lo- yeah. Kind of sorting through the BS. I think we all we all love to see that. But yeah, uh, uh, I'm going to, uh, you know, it, it's kind of trite, but to talk about it. But I, I do want to see the 40s and see how fast some of these, you know, the running backs and the receivers go um, and, and just seeing how much seeing what that does to the because you see the draft boards already and seeing if that you know shoots some guys up obviously i don't think we're going to see a running back in the first round but does thing does you know if if a chris Olave runs in the low four threes does that push him to the top of boards or something like that so that to me is uh that that's exciting oh i love it everyone says that 40s don't matter but yet if they run fast they're going in the first round yeah exactly um well first round so I, i teased it just now zero rb and I, I'm just I, I'm kind of curious. So this is going to be something where uh, I'm I want I want to learn on this uh, because I've been te- you know I've been tempted I've been curious about it. Uh, but that that's why I wanted to have just kind of a, a, a dedicated episode. I'm kind of I'm going to kind of flip flop back and forth from between you guys. But you know, 
when you guys revealed to me that you were big proponents of this strategy, it got me thinking of this type. And then we all, and then we saw this season happen where we saw CMC and Derrick Henry among so many running backs who got taken in the first couple of rounds and get hurt and miss a big chunk or uh, most of 2022. So what happens if people avoid those running backs in the early rounds? And, and that's why I'm bringing you guys on to, to kind of talk to that and kind of, let me know if this strategy is building momentum for 2022. So kind of starting off with both, with, with each, Dan, I'll start with you. Sure. What was, when did you change to zero RBM? Was there a breaking point that pushed you over? Yes. So I was pretty much a traditional drafter. Up, I started playing fantasy in 2005. So I switched to zero RB around 2013 when I won my fantasy championship with my starting running backs being Danny Woodhead and Fred Jackson, who neither of them were starting at the time. Um, and I, I realized that there are other options besides taking them in the first round. And that was, you know, gospel for forever. You had to take a running back the first round or you sucked at playing fantasy. Um, and from that point on, I, I just realized, you know, there, there are such better um, and more versatile options if you don't take a running back in the first round, and that, that gives you a leg up uh, on people that follow the more traditional method. Not that either method is wrong. I'm not here to you know say that. Uh, just for me personally, I just enjoy the options I, I have without picking running backs in the first. How about you, Cal? Yeah, I guess the first thing I want to say is there, there's a lot of ways to win. If you had happened to take Jonathan Taylor in the first round, you felt pretty good about that too, obviously. So, you know, it's injuries happen. Injuries are part of it. That's not um, you can get you can draft a wide receiver that lets you down and all that stuff too. Um, but I started coming around to it actually back in I think it was 2011, 2012, something like that. And at the time, it was it was either do the opposite or upside down drafting. It's had a lot of different names over the years. Like this isn't. I know sometimes we think it's a new concept. It's not a new concept. Been around for, for a long time. And really, it's just kind of zigging when the market is zagging. And that's why it became prevalent before. I think now it's a matter of like there. If you look at your roster as a whole and you look and you look at all the positions and the flexes and, and, and all, all that stuff, like I, I think so many times we draft for, oh, we got to fill this spot. We got to fill this spot. I'm not anti-drafting an RB in the first or second round. It's just more of a there's there were there were ones that I felt more comfortable with as far as wide receivers in the first round, and that's just always been the way that I like to do it. Like getting a tight end, you know, I just always end up thinking, okay, these here are some really safe wide receivers or tight ends. I feel like the the margin for error feels better, and there's been a lot of work on that and. It, it's ran, ran true in terms of like a lot of the statistics that are run, but it, it just, it feels like if running backs to the crater, he's going to crater really hard, or it feels like a greater chance that he's, he's going to crater a lot of wide receivers. As long as they don't get hurt, man. I mean, they pretty much, we kind of know what, what role they're going to have those first three, four, five rounds of wide receivers. After that, it gets sketchy, but yeah, that's, I guess that's a general, how I got to that or you know, how I started thinking about it. 
I, I, that's amazing that it was like 10 years ago that that happened because I mean, I've always loved wide receivers since my first draft. Uh, but I did take, uh, a running back the very first draft I did. So 1990 Christian Okoye who let me down. So maybe mm-hmm. there was something to be said. And I do consider myself more of a hero RB guy. Um, but mostly because running back, I've kind of looked at running backs as kind of my version of Linus's security blanket. How did you guys break yourself of that, of that security blanket? Um, Cal, you can, you, you can kick off on this one. I think the hardest part is leaving a draft and you hate your running backs. That, that that's, that's the hardest part of zero RB <laughs> is you you leave the draft. And like this year, gosh, I love, I love so many drafts where my best running back was James Robinson. And this is before Travis Etienne got hurt and like, you know, and, and all that. And again, not that it was predicting that was going to happen, but it was just like, I, think I was a backup running back was my best running back that gave me any sort of hope. Right. <laughs> but then also it worked out where I went really hard on Elijah Mitchell. Um, when, after that first week in fab and, and, you know, or, or trying to trade for him, you know, in dynasty leagues where he was already on and somebody hoping I could go ahead and draft it. Cause I, I believed in him. And I think that's the thing is like, you're just sort of narrowing what you, if you leave the draft with three really good wide receivers, a tight end and a quarterback that you really believe in, you're really leaving yourself where, okay, all I have to think about is filling this running back spot. And your focus can go there. Your fab can go there. Your trade talks can go there. What you're, you know, th- those, it kind of focuses that in for me a little bit, if that makes sense. No, absolutely. Absolutely. How about Dan? Dan, how about you? Uh, I, I agree with, uh, with Cal. Basically, how, how I do it, you know, I, I, I think that they're, uh, like I said before, uh, like going, you know, having the, the three receivers, the quarterback and tight end. Uh, and then having to, you know, make do with running back is fine. Uh, basically, how I, I play it is it's basically, you know, what what slot gets me the most points, pretty much. Like, it's a point total thing. So if I get, you know, three early receivers and they all score anywhere between 17 and 25 points every single week, then that's something I don't have to worry about. Like Cal said, like, we know which receivers are going to be the, the number one guys on their team. We know their roles. We know who the target hogs are uh, and everything. And then... You know, once we get to the later rounds, I just got to find those running backs that'll get me, you know, 10 points. It doesn't matter how they, they do it. If they can get me 10 points and, and the rest of the team, you know, does what I drafted them to do and, and, and crushes it, then I'll be fine. So that, that's pretty much how I look at it, honestly. Okay. Love it. Love it. So I wanted to, uh, what this is what has me considering this is the injury attrition factor that happens at the running back position. Cause last year, only seven of the tw- top 24 running backs in PPR played all 17 games and only one that played 16 missed week 18. That was Joe Mixon. But of the top 24 receivers, only two Chris Godwin and T Higgins played less than 16 games. So is the health factor a primary reason to go to zero RB and are, and could there be other reasons beyond that? Go I'll start with Dan. Dan. Yeah. Okay. Um, I personally don't like using the injury thing as, as an excuse because you know injury can happen to anybody uh, in, in the NFL. Um, I do think that there is more injury attrition to running backs. I think once you have a running back that gets injured, uh, rarely do they come back and remain that way. Especially you know for someone like Christian McCaffrey, who's basically been the entire Carolina Panthers offense for a number of years. You know the body can only take so so many you know carries and, and catches and, and stuff like that. 
so I, I do think it is on the safer side to go another direction, uh, just based on the fact that even with, like when healthy, you had some guys that just you know didn't really produce. I mean, of all the running backs, like you said, like uh, there were a lot of, uh, only a couple of running backs lasted all seventeen games, and you and of the guys that had that played seventeen games. You know they weren't that good. <laughs> you know, yeah, guys like like Miles Gaskin. Yeah, he played all 17 games. They only got you 173 points. So I mean, if it's healthy and not producing, does it really matter? It doesn't. Uh, so I would rather go with the the, the opportunity for uh, more. The, for, I guess, for lack of a better term, like the upside, uh, the point upside, rather than uh, you know the 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 prospect of having to one rely on someone. To play all 17 games, which, as we know, as running backs doesn't always happen. Uh, and two, thereafter, performing well enough to warrant the kind of draft capital that is going to need to be, uh, you know, spent on them to, to warrant that, that that slot. Yeah, about, the health is about, definitely part of it for me. Like, you know, it's part part of the factor for sure. Um, I, I, I feel like look at, look at the way they break down so quickly. Right. I mean, like it makes sense that a running back with the pounding they take with everything that it just makes sense. I, I don't know, to, to be honest, I don't know the stats behind that. You, you mentioned seven of, of the 24. That is really fascinating that it was only seven that played the 17 games. Um, and that's definitely part of it. I, I, I definitely, um, though for me, like the idea that I can get, wide receiver ones potentially three rounds into a draft and have three guys that a lot of people probably would think of as their wide receiver one. I'm like, that seems like it could be an advantage if I do that. <laughs> and like Dan said, like just, it feels like when you pull, when you fill your roster out, the amount of points you're going to get is just, is so much better. And even like, I think in dynasty startups, what the productive struggle strategy, a lot of times that people talk about, a lot of times it's this where you you're drafting wide receivers, you're drafting tight ends, you're drafting, you know, quarterbacks maybe, and you're saving the running backs for later. And so many times I think I'm going into a draft and I'm going to struggle, you know, I'm, I'm like just picking these wide receivers and those teams end up being really competitive early because, you know, you, you take those wide receivers and, and you can, can really make those, those kind of picks can really make a difference because it doesn't matter who scores the points for you. It matters how many points you score. And, and that's the thing. It's yeah, it, I've that's where I'm kind of coming to the party. It's like it doesn't matter where you get the points from. Mm -hmm. I mean, and and Dan, you talked about earlier winning a championship with you know with, with kind of uh, uh, as we would say in Spanish, basura running backs. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I I I won a, a 14 team championship. I had Chubb, who in week 17 disappointed my the guys who actually won it for me were AJ Dillon and Jarrett Patterson. So. Mm -hmm. And, and Patterson, just because I handcuffed Antonio Gibson. And, uh, but, but really, you know, when you look at the fact that I had Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel was my guy. And so that, uh, that, that was the big, that was the big win. And plus the guy I played, uh, had, uh, had worst week of the season. So, uh, but mm -hmm. for you guys, 2021, uh, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of different, different season for, uh, you know, for the wide receiver position. Some guys who, uh, delivered, there were some definitely some guys who delivered. Obviously, Cooper Cup uh, it was was a later pick. Debo another later pick. Chase Jamar Chase and Devontae Adams was a guy who, who delivered. But what worked in twenty twenty one and maybe uh, a, a, what was a miss? Dan, uh, kick us off on this one. 
so what worked in 2021 was not having a first round running back now. (laughs) (laughs) Unless it was Jonathan Taylor. (laughs) If you had Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor, it worked for you in 2021. (laughs) Otherwise, you probably didn't win. I had a couple of best ball lineups that I had that. Right. Yeah. That was good. (laughs) Uh, uh, But, but um, I think honestly, if you had uh, uh, depth in, in your fantasy thing, uh, in your fantasy roster, I think, you know, a lot of people are, are, don't really see handcuffs as an important part of your bench. And I think the 21 proved that maybe it is worthwhile to, you know, take a bench spot or two or three and and go after uh, the handcuff of some of these guys, these high profile guys that, you know, that, that are getting up there and, uh, you know, they, they obviously not going to get you like the same numbers as, as, uh, as a top guy, like a Derek Henry, they're not going to get you like Derek Henry type numbers or anything like that. But, you know, in the, in the right system, they're going to get you uh, enough points uh, to, to, to survive on. So, you know, if you're going into like the last couple of rounds and you're just probably going to throw a pick away on someone that probably wasn't even going to play or, or something like that, I definitely take a, take a shot and, you know, after like the Madison's or, you know, the, the players like that, that are, that are behind these, these awesome, Running backs and and you know obviously you don't hope that anyone gets injured but it's better to be prepared than 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 not because what happened was last year when everyone got hurt you know then there was really nothing left in in, in the in the you know on waivers or anything like that so if you missed out on, on the running backs and then the, the replacements you were basically you know stuck playing nobody uh, so I think it, it's worth it to you know even if they they don't produce at all I mean that that's a risk worth taking it's worth a slot to to be covered just in case like uh, disaster strikes. Hmm. All right, so that uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get – okay, so that – Cal, you go. The so hits. I just pulled up – as you were, you were asking that question, I just pulled up a um, – it, it was an industry draft that had a, you know, a bunch of guys um, in the industry, and I, I just looked up what my strategy was there because I remember I went zero RB, but I couldn't remember how late. The first running back I took was in round six. It was James Robinson, like I, like I mentioned. I, I in round nine I took Zach Moss, so swing and a miss. <laughs> Nahi Mines, swing and a miss. Jarek McKinnon, uh, 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 sorry, uh, McKissick was after that eleven. Tevin Coleman Brown was after that. Like a lot of swings and misses on running back in that, but I took a lot of swings at running back, and my batting average at some point, like year, it will vary year to year. But a lot of times, like I'll hit on at least at least one of those, if not two and then therefore like again it just focuses what i it it narrows down what i have to focus on like i know on this team i've got to find running backs because i i had kelsey i got aaron Rodgers late um i i had i had aj brown and cd lamb and t higgins and uh i had judy uh, who you know flamed out i guess but then you know, I, I, like I said, I went, went hard after Elijah Mitchell, and it was just a like a, it that became an easy decision for me. How much do I spend on Elijah Mitchell? Well, all of it because you know it was, and literally I spent a hundred out of a hundred and got him, and that was a great deal for me, right? So, um, yeah, it's not every one of those wide receivers are a hit. Not everyone, you know, but it's I, I just think again the batting average at the top on wide receivers, I felt good about that, and then. It, you know, I'll I'll take some swings late, and it, I, I think the hard part is like just trying it. And when you try it, and you look at your team, and you're like, "Oh crap, I don't like my running backs." But then just let it play out. You're going to find running backs you like. You're going to, I promise. Yeah. Oh, and we're gonna get into that. Go ahead, Dan. Uh, j- just to, to follow up on on Cal's point, I know we're gonna get into it later, but this is an example I really want to show now. So, uh, Richard Penny, 
was the 42nd in, in total points for, for PPR last year, right? He had 12.2 uh, points per game. He only played uh, 10 games. He was 42, right? So, you no, he wasn't drafted. No one drafted him, let's be honest. Like, he was either, like, a last round, like, you know, pickup or he went undrafted, whatever. So, Ezekiel Elliott, number, obvious first-round pick, right? You couldn't get him if you didn't pick him in the first round, right? Mm-hmm. He, was only, he only scored two more points per game than Rashad Penny. Think about that. Oh wow! You have draft capital for both, and you're missing out on 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 a, in a season on average, thirty four points in a two point per game, you know, sample. So I mean, you, you, like stuff like that. Obviously, like like Cal said, you just, you have to take a lot of swings, and you're gonna there's gonna be some misses. There's gonna, there's gonna be you know running backs that that don't pan out in in this, and and you know going into that, you understand that though. Like you, you the, the risk is built in with with this with this. Uh, with zero running back uh, theme. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that just something that illustrates, you know, the, the kind of value you can get, you know, if you take those, those swings, uh, they're not all going to be, all going to be hits, but when you do hit, you know, that that's the kind of thing that, that helps you win. Plus you mentioned, you know, mentioning Penny, he, I, I think he won people, he won a lot of people leagues though with his mm-hmm. fantasy, with the way he did in the fantasy playoffs. So uh, mm-hmm. no, that's, that's pretty incredible. So uh w- when it comes to the strategy, I mean, you obviously got a hit on your first round pick. So when I looked at ADP from 2021, there were two, two receivers who were, who were first round picks, Devonte Adams, Tyreek Hill, Devonte Adams performed, uh, especially in the second half of the season and during the fantasy playoffs, Tyreek Hill had, had his usual boom, boom games here and there, but he, you know, put, put up some clunkers during the fantasy playoffs. What what was this? Were, were most teams just kind of that zero running back teams that that won this year? Were they kind of focused on getting Adams and early, maybe Justin Jefferson, and then kind of you know sprinkling in a Cooper Cup and Debo later? I mean, what what, what was the uh, the winning formula? Dan, start us off. Yeah, I believe it, it, it was something like that. Obviously, you know, for any time. You know, in order to win, it really helps if the first pick you make, you know, does does well. I mean, that's not <laughs> saying really that's not like breaking news or anything, but it's definitely you know you know going uh, early and often at, at those receivers. So if you end up with an Adams and maybe someone like a like a Tyreek Hill that maybe didn't perform as well um, as as we thought, or even like a Terry McLaurin who like well, I had who definitely didn't perform up to expectations, but was okay. And then in the third fourth round, you end up with like Cooper Cup and T Higgins, for example. You're still gonna, you know, obviously, like it's really just about, you know, taking the taking those swings and, and making sure that you get like those those top guys from, you know, the office with the data available and, and making those good selections. So uh, it, it really is, is is just doing your homework on it mm-hmm. and, and 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 just uh, taking those those guys that you expect to perform well in the first couple of rounds. How about you, Cal? Yeah, so my strategy was um, was ke- basically Travis Kelsey or bust in the first round. Uh, that was always my my go to because I was most confident that he would be a difference maker at tight end, and I thought, you know, and and he was. I mean, he he finished second. He wasn't as good as Mark Andrews. That was obviously the the big prize in as far as tight ends in the draft by ADP. But I was most confident that that's a guy that I'm going to be able to put in my lineup and. Every week, just about, I'm going to be confident that position, I'm going to give more points than you. And that's really the only pick that I I think in the first round you could, that I felt you could pretty confidently say that about. 
And then it was filling in those wide receivers from there, from the second round on. And AJ, unfortunately, Calvin really was what I, I loved. That one didn't work out quite as quite as well in that second round. <laughs> but, you know, AJ Brown was one that I ended up with a good bid. And, um, I, you know, obviously he had some injuries and things like that. But that was a guy that had plenty of weeks that also really helped you too. And Stefan Diggs was one. I mean, that was, he was up and down, but he was fairly consistent, you know, had, had some, had some good games. So yeah, that second round was kind of where I was trying to get that upside, uh, consistent wide receiver. And then, yeah, that's the Justin Jefferson's and chases and things like that. After that were some of the, you know, some of the bigger, bigger hits for me, I guess you'd say. Oh, those those were huge, and and I, I put together kind of a chart on our uh, on our show doc there, talking about like you know showing some of the guys who were hits, uh, you know Devonte being I mentioned that he he was a hit and he performed during the fantasy playoffs. DK Metcalf only performed in Week 17 where he blew up. I think he was the wide receiver two behind Jamar Chase. Jefferson was fantastic all season in round three. Round four was kind of tough, you know, a lot of injury, a lot of underperformance, uh, guys who guys who were just out. Um, um, but you know, round five, you had Cooper cup. You had, uh, you know, I, I, though when I, I came this close, the team that I won with, I came this close to having one pick away from having Debo and Cooper cup. So it wouldn't have oh. mattered. It wouldn't have mattered who my running backs were. Right. Got those guys. <laughs> but you had Cooper cup and Deontay and then round six, you had Jamar chase. So it, it I mean, does this strategy just personify the fact that you're going to get value? You can, you can get value throughout throughout the first 10, 10 rounds of picks. Cause I mean, what Debo was at ADP, he was round eight. So hmm. how much, how much, how much is that playing into it? That, that you're looking, you're, you're looking at uh, the value that's really out there throughout the draft. Um, Dan starts. I think it's a big part, honestly. I think, you know, everyone is always saying how, how deep uh, wide receivers are. And, and the, those of us that, that do zero running back, that, that's an advantage for us because we can pretty much go any round and find a guy that, that has the ability, you know, go up to like round, like say like eight or whatever, that has the ability to be like, you know, a top 10, top 15 guy. And mm-hmm. if you if you are able to, and obviously there's there's inherent risk, you know, you don't know. No one predicted Cal really was going to step away from football or anyone's going to get yeah. hurt. That's for any player in, in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, you know, you 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 do like you, like I said, you do the the, the homework and you, and you can you hit those guys, uh, and then and then you're set. You know, if you you have the ability to 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 get that cup and then go get Debo four rounds later, and so and it's something that you can't do with a running back. If you want a, like a running back, you want you're going to have to take them in the first you know first round or two. And meanwhile, you got these guys. And no one, obviously, no one thought that Cooper Cup was going to have the the year that he had, but just the opportunity for him to be there at that spot, uh, you know, was was something that that works to our advantage. So first shout out to our our amigo of the show, Rado Heat Craig. ¿Cómo estamos? Hello, hello, hello. Salud, salud, brother. <laughs> uh, Cal, how about you? Um, so I, yeah, I, I guess. I just thought of this analogy. I've never thought of this before. I'm going to say it. If it doesn't make any sense, Dan, you just tell me if it doesn't make sense, okay? Or Jorge, you just tell me. But, like, you know, every now and then you'll have the debate about, like, should I look at bye weeks or should I not look at bye weeks on my my team? It's like, I'd rather have all my bye weeks in one and just take the loss there, right? So I think that's kind of, in essence, the theory. It's like, okay, I'm going to be really solid in all these areas, 
And I'm just going to have running backs where I'm just going to take the L's there. I'm going to try and get a positional advantage over you at quarterback, wide receiver, tight end, and even at 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 flex. That's that's the part people forget is that you also can fill a wide receiver there in your flex position that can be significantly better than somebody's, you know, if they're waiting till the ninth round to take their flex because they're trying to fill it out in order or something on their on for their team, you got an advantage there too. It's just I'm going to have a disadvantage at first at running back and I know I'm going to have that and I'm going to have some misses. So I'm going to, you know, among the wide receivers and maybe the tight end, whatever it is, have to deal with injuries like anybody else you get in the season. And, you know, but I know I'm going to have a disadvantage at running back. I know that that's where I need to focus you know, and you know, but I'm going to have an advantage in my opinion, everywhere else. I, I love that thought process and that analogy definitely made sense. Cause uh, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, do you want an L because you chose it or do you want an L because fate, you know, had a guy tear an ACL, pull a hamstring, you know, any of those things, tweak an ankle. So all of those things, you know, I guess it's the whole, you know, taking control of your own destiny as opposed to definitely an advantage going into drafts, knowing exactly the plan. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people like, or like take drafts as they come and that's, and that's a great strategy, but like knowing, okay, like here's what I need. Now we're going to need the wide receivers here, here, and here. And we're going to forget running backs until this point. And then we'll see what's left. And then, you know, take, you know, those three, four, whatever running backs and then go from there. So I think, you know, going in with, you know, a set idea of what you're doing is really helpful. So Cal, you, you touched on something with Kelsey or bust on the, that's one. And this is a, a question that I had a little bit later, but I'm going to kind of mix it in with the next one. Considering the fact that there were so many, that there were a fair number of wide receiver misses in rounds two to four, as we, as we talked about for very, for a variety of reasons, some just underperformed, maybe they were overdrafted. It is, is a part of this, uh, to to grab that early tight end in that range uh in 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 rounds one to four to get you know to to really try and solidify that positional advantage is that is 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 that some is that a great recommendation for me absolutely and i think last year we i was really confident that three would be there were going to be three difference makers and one of them wasn't uh darren waller was not the difference maker obviously that we want him to be uh, he was the one that, like, I, I think maybe I had the most questions about going into the season. And then Kittle, there's injury history there. And so that's why, for me, I narrowed it down to, like, okay, I really want to end up with Travis Kelsey because he's got Pat Mahomes throwing to him. He's He's been a beast. He's been a stud. Like, anything can happen to anybody. But I'm like, he's going to, he's going to be among the target leaders in the NFL. And he's a tight end. So I'm really confident in that. Next year is going to be really interesting to see because, you know, Kyle Pitts enters the chat there, you know, in a much bigger way. You know, people are I, talking about the demise of Kelsey. I don't think they're quite ready for that yet. I understand moving him in, in Dynasty. But, yeah, like that. So the wide receivers in that two round two to four, that's really what I was where I was trying to trying to hit. And I actually got to where Deontay Johnson was my fourth round pick. I was willing to take him ahead of ADP because I thought he was a guy that I, hmm. again, just I knew – He's going to get peppered with targets. I believe in the talent. He's a guy that I think is very underrated. So that I almost blocked off. Okay, I'm going to get him in the round in round four because again, I'm taking him ahead of ADP, but I was confident. So I kind of knew I was going to get him there, unless somebody was crazy about him, you know, more than me. But that didn't happen much. <laughs> and yeah, the two to three. And you're right. Like Rid- Ridley was one that I definitely had some misses on. 
AJ Brown had good weeks and bad weeks, but I'm fine with that. Like, you know, consistency is a myth. Uh, and Terry McLaurin was another one that I loved, you know, but there was just so many right there, the CD lambs and the, you know, I'm just, I'm looking back through a couple of these drafts and the, you know, the, the Keenan Allen's of the world, like the, there were a few there that in that territory that I felt confident about. And, you know, while other people were right there drafting Clyde Edwards, Alaire, <laughs> I, I felt much better about drafting somebody, you know, that I knew was like Keenan Allen was going to be a target hog. You know, I knew that. So how about you, Dan? Is it, is the early tight end, uh, yours, your strategy or, uh, it depends on, on, on who's there. Like usually it, usually it is, um, because I think, uh, positional domination is, is something that I strive for. And, you know, the, with the way tight end landscape is how we always say tight ends very deep every year and always ends up being, Four guys that actually, you know, are different <laughs> every single time. I always want that um, and we but, all want it to happen. It's like we're yeah, willing it into the world. We're, trying. we're all trying. Yeah. This isn't working so far, but uh, but definitely, like if you can get like a, like a Kelsey uh, or a Kittle or someone uh, like that, that'll give you, you know, that nothing's guaranteed, but pretty much a guaranteed, you know, advantage uh, in, in position. That's just one step closer, uh, you know, to to winning winning your league. And I think I think it, it's good because you have the, these high picks and running backs and and back to it, like uh, Cal's like Ceh and, and Keenan Allen example. If Ceh has a bad game, he's getting like two points. If Keenan Allen has a bad game, he's getting you at least ten because he might have like four catches for sixty yards. Yeah, that's a bad game by his standards, but it's still getting you more points. You have to worry about like the floor too, and that's something you know. Running backs have bad games that they have really bad floors, especially in those mm-hmm. middle rounds. Like you're, you're taking shots at guys that we don't know like what, what their positions on the depth chart or how they're going to be used or something. Uh, but you know that those guys that are number going to be number ones on their team or number twos, and you know, the quarterbacks are going to throw to them. So that's something mm-hmm. you have to consider as well, but definitely, you know, a, a tight end, if I can get a one early, um, I'll definitely go and, and, and grab it and, and worry about the, the rest later, because that's, I know for a fact that in that spot, I'm going to be beating uh, everyone else most weeks. Plus I'll go as far as to say for me, like it's, it's, it's crucial. Like, I think it's like, it's, it's a crucial part of it because you don't want to go in with, you don't want to go in with now or I got running backs and my tight end sucks too. Right. <laughs> like, I don't want to go and do it with that. Like it's, it's all about trying to get the positional advantage of these other places. And tight end is one that is, and still is you, you've got to have that. And I, I love the people that are just going to wait because it's like, okay, good. I'm going to definitely have an advantage over you. Go ahead. That's fine. <laughs> Let the tight ends fall. And then let them get CEH and be disappointed. So that, yeah. that, one, oh, that one, that one was a big miss for me. So the, the, this, the, he's part of the reason why I'm, uh, can, I, I, I'm letting you guys uh, talk me into it. So, uh, you know, one of the, th- so I'm going to kind of put you guys on the spot right now. So is there a draft position? Well, you're go, you'll go RB first. I think you know throughout the industry, the talk is the consensus, unanimous 101 is Jonathan Taylor. Could you be tempted to go Jonathan Taylor in the first round if you have the if you draw in a redraft league the 101, or are you are you staying close, staying staying true to your uh, zero RB heart? Uh, Dan, start us up on that one. I will not be drafting JT at number one. Only because for if you're drafting him at, at one, you basically have to hope that he replicates exactly what happened last year, where he plays all 17 games, where he's the focal point of the offense, 
And, and Indy's facing a lot of quarterback coaches right now. Carson Wentz probably isn't going to be back. Who's going to be quarterback uh, for them next year? So I, ju- I just think if if you're – there's really – like there's no upside like to the pick. You can only be disappointed. I mean, he's either going to do exactly what he did and he's going to be the RB1 or he's going to do less than that and he wasn't going to be worth the, the 101 pick. Um, so I, I just don't think that in in with how many options are available that I would – lean towards taking uh, JT at one. Like I get why you would, because, you know, he was the best running back last year. I just don't see him. It's going to be hard for him to repeat. Now, not to say he can't. And the same thing with Cooper Cup. It doesn't have to just be running backs. Cooper Cup probably isn't going to, you know, be the triple crown winner next year either. Uh, I just, with my one-on-one, I just want more from it, I guess. I, I just don't feel comfortable taking uh, a guy that he has to perform like, elite or it's it's not worth the pick how about you cal i love it dan who are you taking one? Ooh, that's a good question who am i taking one uh-huh uh, right now if i had to pick yeah you have to right now on the on the clock on the otc chase yes okay. interesting yeah I'm so i'm going justin jefferson i i and i that to me is is going to be the interesting debate over the course of the next you know little while, and I think you know I, I actually I, I would say Heath is the one that sort of convinced me the the difference there um, could be volume and the overall pie in Minnesota could be bigger, but you know, so much can change over the off season, so I you know obviously reserve the right to to change it, but Justin Jefferson to me is the is the guy that I, I I'm taking there right now, and I understand it like I understand it if JT's on the clock you don't want to. Or if he's available and you can take him, there's so much FOMO that you're going to have right there. I get it. But I, every time I've been tempted to do that, I've regretted it. Every time. So I, I just, it's one of those things for me. I'm not going to, I don't like to trade my first round picks in Dynasty. And I don't like to, I don't like to walk away with a first round running back despite whatever the temptation is. That's interesting. And plus the fact that when's the last time a, uh, an RB1 repeated? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Todd Gurley had the the season in 2017 and had a stellar season in 2018, but he missed a couple games at the end of the season, which yeah, I think he ended up dropping to the RB3. But how many guys just fall off at that? You know, so that's that 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 is fascinating. That is fascinating because I was going to throw out, you know, in, in my next question, I was throwing out Cooper Cup as the possible 102 just because everything looks like it's returning with him. Mm -hmm. He's still going to have Stafford. He's, you know, you know, and it's got that great, the, the, there's no other big pass catcher because even if they re-sign OBJ, he's not going to be around. You know, I think he, I I think he's not gonna be around all season and Robert Woods may not be back until halfway through the season. So that's why I'm thinking just, he's still going to get 12 to 15 targets a game and it's going to be sick. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, though I can see Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is so sexy, and mm-hmm. I I love Jefferson being in a in a in a dome. So that mm-hmm. that you know, especially during the those crazy week those those weeks, because I think one of the tough parts w- with him was he uh, we I think it was week seventeen they were in Green Bay and and then and Cousins got got COVID and then there was just a bad combo so that that's when i i think i was playing the uh justin jefferson guy that week and it was not good so for him 
So mm-hmm. thankfully, uh, and that's why AJ Dillon did. Um, so I, I got a question. Does your, does your strategy, does the strategy, the zero RB strategy change from super flex to single QB? Um, Cal? The zero RB part, not necessarily. Um, the The strategy itself does change. Yes, I am definitely. I, I would never take a, a quarterback in the first whatever, probably ten rounds in, um, in almost any draft because I, I feel pretty confident I'm going to get somebody, and usually an older player that people for whatever reason are down on, like Aaron Rodgers. People hated last year for whatever reason. He's like a tenth round pick in one QB leagues and. I'm like, okay, great. I'll get I'll get Aaron Rodgers. Um, but yeah, Superflex, I, I want to walk away with one of those. Then yeah, all that changes, and I want to walk away with Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, uh, Murray, Burrow. I, one of those in the top, maybe Lamar Jackson. You know, there's there's like a top six, right? Six, six or seven that you feel really, really good about in that first round. Um, but then yeah, the same thing. Same thing. I'm going to hammer tight ends. I'm going to hammer wide receivers. I'm going to hammer, hammer, you know, try to get a quarterback like Kirk Cousins later, or Ryan Tannehill, who's got like a little bit of later uh, ADP, maybe Derek Carr. People are sleeping on right now. I think could represent a value. Um, and yeah, the one guy that's slipping so much right now that kind of excites me. And I'm curious to see where his ADP is going to go. People hate, hate Josh Jacobs so much, like just, hate him with their with all their guts <laughs> and i don't get it because he's got such a great floor right now you know that his, his role's pretty safe uh i mean maybe mcdaniel uses a another running back to catch passes with but if he's got like a six round adp which it looks like in in, in dynasty leagues it's definitely i don't know where it's going to land in redraft but that's the kind of running back i'm going to be targeting and i'd i'd be tempted to take there that's that's interesting because especially considering the fact that he started to see passes out of the backfield the latter part of the season and and you know and we know Josh McDaniels likes to throw to his running backs so mm-hmm. well it's it's interesting how about you Dan yeah I agree with 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 Kyle said you know if it's super flex I'm actually, I'm gonna you know hit the the, the quarterbacks uh, early I try to get you know two. Uh, early, so I don't have to worry about uh, that position. Uh, in, in one quarterback leagues, I'm, I'm I'm waiting. Like in last year, I waited until round 13 and end up with Matthew Stafford as my quarterback. So you know, you, know, you can you can wait in one in one quarterback leagues for quarterbacks. They always go. There's always some guy at the end that that's going to produce for you. Uh, but for super flex, yeah, I'll definitely I'll hit quarterback, then uh, then uh, tight end, and then receiver, and then and then running back. It's it's, it's a little different, but the the general structure of of the strategy is is basically the same. So in single QB, could you be tempted to go QB early with this because of this strategy? Either one, Cal. I know you mentioned talking about it, but how, how right, crazy? Like, like if Josh Allen is there, like at some ridiculous, you know, like I don't know, sixth, seventh round, something like that, where or I, I, somewhere like there, where it's like okay, crazy value. Like I can either take, you know, whoever, like Hunter Renfro or or Josh Allen. Like I'll take Josh Allen, but. Typically, there's you know there's typically there's enough in a one QB league that I I sort of don't want to lock myself into that spot right like I sort of don't want to necessarily say like this is my guy I want to have a little bit more flexibility so I avoid it but like there's a certain point where you just it makes too much sense if you get Pat Mahomes there or whatever that's it makes too much sense at some point but in general no and how about uh... 
Oh, Dan, I, I'm sorry. I didn't. Oh, that's right. Uh, no, I'll never do that. <laughs> uh, never, uh, you know, you, you see uh, there's some guys like taking the homes or out in like the third, fourth, fifth round. I'd rather go out and get like a Mike Evans who's just going to give me a thousand yards and it's five TDs. And, and, you know, no one, no one likes somebody. He's just boring. He's just going to give you that production that he always gives you no matter what every year. And it was, it was call it a day, honestly. So no, I'll never, there's just too much. There's too many options that, that will get you like into the, into the top. Like, like I mentioned before, like Stafford Rogers were all like 10th, 11th round picks and they're not being top, you know, top seven QB. So there's, there's no reason for, for me to ever draft a, a quarterback early. Yeah, and I got Brady like late in yeah. so many leagues, and people just... hate Brady. Like people don't want Brady, but he just he, just, he literally just throws up three hundred points, and in, 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 you know, it's crazy. <laughs> it was uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. It was crazy. Muy local. Stafford's uh, another one too, right? Stafford's another one that's like you can get yeah. the very end. Yeah, and you got forty-one TDs out of him, so mm-hmm. I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. And you know, all day. How about redraft or dynasty? Does this does the strategy change there? Uh Dan. Um no, it doesn't. I think actually, if anything, dynasty I lean more towards what is it going back? I just, and that's just because of the lifespan of, of the players. You know, running back, you probably get to get maybe three, four, five elite years. Um, out of them, uh, you know, if you get a good receiver, they're, they're going to go, you know, seven to 10 years, you know, getting, giving you that wide receiver one production, like Devonta Adams has been wide receiver one for basically the, our entire lives. Um, so I'd, I'd rather, you know, use my dynasty picks on someone that is going to be around uh, for a while that that's going to be on my team I, that I can build around for, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. Uh, rather than, than take a running back who might you know be elite and will obviously be better than who I pick, but the the the, life, the shelf life on them is is much much shorter. And that's not only if they stay healthy. You know, if you got a guy that you know is awesome and suddenly you know he he tears a, a like a an Achilles or an ACL or something, and then you know he he's done. And obviously that can happen with any player, but you know as, as we stated before, running backs are more prone to injury. Um, so so I'm, I, I'll take that that tight end, that that, that quarterback, that wide receiver, that the guy that's going to be there. For a lot longer time than than the, the position that has the the shorter shelf life. How about you, Cal? Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, Dan nailed it. It's it's and it's value, right? Like wide receivers are going to hold their value for longer. Um, Devontae Adams is like three years older than Todd Gurley. <laughs> okay, so like it tells you how how they hold their value to whatever he is. But oh my god, yeah. <laughs> and so. You, you look at that and you, and you say like, okay, I, I, if I hit, right. If I hit on, on, on this player, if he is who I think he is. So like, you know, Jalen Waddle or somebody like that, like Jalen Waddle is, he is 23 years old, right? At 20, like Josh Jacobs is also 23. Who do you think is going to have more? Or actually he just turned 24, like two, uh, last month. Who's going to have more value for longer? Josh Jacobs or Jalen Waddle? Uh, you know, just, who is more likely to hold their value? I guess I should say for longer. It's going to be those wide receivers. So, yeah, I, I definitely in Dynasty, I'm 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 leaning into this even harder, like Dan said. And I, when I get to the championship window, you can buy some of these older running backs for for cheap. Like typically, it doesn't cost you as much to get somebody like like right now, like as good as he can be. Derrick Henry doesn't cost you very much in Dynasty. It doesn't take out near as much to buy a 28, 29 year old Derrick Henry, whatever he is, 
as it is for, let's say, Cooper Cup, who's 28, almost basically the same age. The price is very different because people know that any minute Derrick Henry is done. Like it's he's he falls off the map, and that's not going to happen with Cooper Cup. Oh, you're muted. You're muted, Jorge. Oops. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I do that all the time. Uh, you know, the interesting thing, you, you were talking about that because Jay, I had James Conner on the league and I couldn't give him away for anything less than a second. You know, the best I could get was a second round pick and, mm-hmm. you know, rebuilding, you know, you, uh, was it productive? Uh, uh, what, struggle. What, yeah. Productive struggle. Uh, Ryan McDowell. Yep. Oh, yeah. Pr- pr- yeah. That team is productive, struggling like crazy. No first round, first or second round picks. Uh, mm-hmm. I had to go crazy. You know, I did trade everybody but um so yeah so that 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 the, the way they hold the value is incredible and that's that is, i think that's right on, on the dynasty Perfect example for this is is christian mccaffrey like you know everyone loved him he was running back one for multiple years he's 25 years old he's coming off two injury riddled seasons already i mean his, his peak is gone at 25 i mean it's just it's crazy how 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 sudden like these guys will just drop I mean, obviously, you know, you probably bounce back if he plays, you know. But, it, you know, and then you have receivers. You have, like, Diggs and Adams and and Hill who are already 28, 27, like 29, and, and they're still going strong. It's just, like, from a value standpoint, you can't you can't beat that. The extra, you know, four or five, six, seven years of, of, of good, you know, productive seasons that you're going to get from these other guys and not these running backs. And and that's – the difference in redraft and, and dynasty is value and um, – value and production are different. And that's Dan and I are both talking production or uh, value there. And that means like on the open trade market in your league, you're more likely to have get more value back for wide receivers. It's case by case and every league has a different economy, but it's not production. Like I I have no doubt that Derrick Henry is going to have great production, but you are not going to get that value. And that's, that's the balance in dynasty is trying to keep that value and, score the points and that's the balance that you have to be constantly am i competing am i rebuilding that's to me that's the strategy that makes it fun love that could not have said that better and uh and since you taught me how to how to clip these things i I may have to pull that one out so i'm gonna mark the time uh so here's the big question what round ideally are you taking a running back first your first running back dan uh, is there a recipe, or are you are you are you are you is it um, change draft it, or draft? It, 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 I mean, it, it's like a go with the flow thing, depending on the draft and who's available. But I'm probably going to start looking at running backs, probably around, let's say around, around seven, round eight. Wow. Yeah, because wow. I get my. You know, three receivers, maybe four for a flex spot, like Cal said earlier. Get my quarterback and my tight end, uh, and then maybe start looking at them, but not not before then. How about you, Cal? It's usually right after whatever the perceived drop off is, uh, where everybody shifts focus all of a sudden, and now they're now they're hitting wide receivers more, and they're hitting these other positions, and everybody starts ignoring those running backs, and it's usually like sometime like within the next couple of rounds from that. So like last year, you know, it was somewhere around the maybe Miles Sanders was in that. Like that was 
fourth round he was going uh, you know jo well, josh jacobs is there too so somewhere in, in that area because after that was like chase edmonds and miles gaskin and etn and trey sermon and javante williams and there's some <sighs> ronald jones and and that's everybody wanted somebody before that right they wanted to have their two running backs before you got to that spot and then they shift and that was about the point where it's like okay i can kind of pick my guys here from that point forward and try to target them so it's I don't have it around you know, six, seven, eight. It just kind of depends on how that value falls in that draft. And if I'm in a draft with Dan, my goal is always to draft one after he does. So <laughs> every time. So it's a game of chicken. It is. Yeah. Every 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 league we're in, it's always been a game of chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. That's oh man. Uh, has anybody is it do you guys kind of trade off on who wins? <laughs> I think uh, I think I was up two to one in, in leagues. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I never did that mock with uh, Front Yard Fantasy the other day. I don't remember. I, I think you I think you pulled the trigger before I did. I I pulled the trigger one pick before you did. So technically, yeah. you won. <laughs> oh, awesome. that was my signal. Yes. <laughs> so Cal, you mentioned you mentioned that you know Josh Jacobs is a guy that you're you you think of, which I I think that's that's a great suggestion for the, that first guy. Dan, who would be who would be the type of running back that you're looking for uh, at the point where you're picking in round seven or eight? So basically, uh, for what I would do, I would look at uh, guys maybe that are in uh, the committees and stuff. Someone like a Devin Signaltary. You know, he's a guy that mm -hmm. didn't really have like a lot of you know renown going into last year. Everyone thought Zach Miles was going to be the guy there. Um, basically just take uh, whatever guy they don't want from that committee and, and just, and hope that he, that he beats them out like Singletary ended up doing. So it's like that. Someone like a, like we're seeing back like a couple of years ago, like Naeem Hines, someone that, you know, catches the ball uh, a ton like third down backs, um, like Cohen in Chicago a couple of years ago, those, mm -hmm. those kind of backs where, you know, they're going to, they, they have that, that role where they're going to, you know, catch the balls out of the backfield, especially in PPR. And th so they're going to give you that, that, that point floor that you're looking for. Uh, from that spot i will say uh dan when you mentioned picking in round seven or eight it kind of it i my it kind of caught my breath for a second there it, it, it start i started to get a little lightheaded it that it was <laughs> it's not a fun feeling so i i can imagine that you it just takes some incredible discipline to to wait and wait and wait i mean especially game of chicken between you guys yeah <laughs> and i'll just say like josh Jacobs probably goes before I, I i want to like he's probably ends up bumping up my guesses somewhere in the that fourth round and i'll be you know not not thinking about that yet um you know it, somebody like tony pollard that, that's another guy that's gonna go pollard, yeah, a little pollard. bit late you know that's who could find himself in a great situation you know it, it, it honestly without even injuries happening he could find himself in a pretty productive situation there and you know there's always guys like you mentioned james connor and like i don't know this is just, just dynasty but it, he's going in the hundreds like it's 107 overall is his adp and you know that's the kind of guy kenneth gainwell over there in philly what if he ends up in a bigger role you know those are those are kind of the guys that i'm looking at a little bit lower where you know khalil herbert is one of my favorites right now because mm. he's a guy that we think about alexander madison right and he's He's kind of the hot name and he'll have a much higher ADP. What's the difference between him and Khalil Herbert? I think Khalil Herbert could be really good too. So th those types of guys that could find themselves either in, it's a trade-off between like you, Tony Pollard, who's got a role in the offense now 
And then later, I want to fill in with some guys that if the right thing happens, they're going to hit big. Awesome. So uh, is there an, a set number of running backs you want to come away with? Let's say a 16-round regular redraft league. How many, how many running backs do you want to have on your roster? Dan. I'll probably, in a 16-round, I'll probably end up swinging at about four or five. Okay. How about Cal? It'll probably be the position that I have the most of by the end of the, end of, the of the draft because mm-hmm. I that's the other thing is I'm going to probably feel really good about five wide receivers at uh, one one tight end one quarterback assuming it's a one you know QB league and then the rest I want to swing for running backs I mean sometimes I'll fall in love with somebody who's going late and want to make sure I get certain wide receiver but other than that I want to I want as many. Again, it's that focus thing, right? Like, I all right, I got these positions. And it's not that, like, like I, I feel confident there, right? Like, I feel like, why do I need to waste spots on my bench for players I can't play anyway? Let me take a few more hacks at this, you know, get, get some more at-bats and see if I can get a couple hits. <laughs> love it. Love it. Uh, now, oh, yeah. now, Cal, you mentioned really going, going crazy on running backs in the waiver wire. Uh, is uh, so is, is, is that aggressive mentality? Is that how is that how to attack it? Uh, do you feel like you attack that position even more because of the zero RB approach? Right, because it, it, my attention is focused on I've got I know I've got this hole, so I'm not even approaching the waiver as like here are all these players that are good. Like if if a wide receiver pops and it's just great value, fine. But I know I've got that $100 fab budget, and I'm dedicating it to running backs because that's the hole that I've got on my roster. Outside of, you know, if I get an injury, something like that, somebody I draft tears their ACL the next day or something, and I got to fill a wide receiver, like, okay, now I'm, I, I got to think about that a little bit more now, too, probably. But most is going to be focused on that running back spot. How about you, Dan? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I agree. Basically, it's just taking more more at-bats, honestly, is, is what you're doing. You're, you're focusing, mm-hmm. taking that focus from the draft and just basically putting out the waiver wire. I mean, uh, you're, you're not going to be, you know, draft or spending any money on, on receivers if we're taking, you know, all our top picks are going to be receivers or our tight ends or something. If you draft Kelsey, you're not going to worry be worried about, you know, waiver, uh, waiver tight ends. So you're just giving yourself more opportunities to, to get – you know, get hits on those players that you need to get that running back floor in order to get the points you need to win. So it's basically just taking everything, everything mm-hmm. basically we've been saying and just applying it to, to the waiver wire uh, instead of the draft. No, it's awesome. And, and that's the thing. It's like, yeah, would you rather be spending money, uh, you know, take, taking your, you know, spending big money on maybe a running back who's uh, like a Khalil Herbert, who mm-hmm. may be on the waiver wire and David Montgomery just got hurt. Would you rather be doing that or taking your swing at the, you know, the Cole commit for, you know, to try mm-hmm. and fill your tight end spot. And, you know, he's, I mean, I know the dynasty community expects him to take a step forward, but you know, last year he was just a guy for the most part. So I, I can see that <laughs> uh, you, you don't, I mean, last year he felt like just a guy, right? Oh, you don't think he's going to No, I don't. Year? I, well, I mean, like I said, I think it happened, but no, it's not a, uh, I, I, we overrate snap percentage sometimes on these guys and mm. I want to see targets. I, I like if you're on the field and you're just running routes, you're, you're just doing cardio. I don't want guys doing cardio. I don't get points for calories burned <laughs> while they're running routes. I, I want guys I know. doing targets. 
that's the that to me that's the thing i get i i was really focusing last season early on on you know on on you know on percent you know target percentage and it's like the guy's 33 percent target percentage but he's only getting eight targets and this other guy's getting 25 percent target percentage but he's getting 12 targets because his team's throwing the ball mm-hmm. take the 12 targets please yeah mm-hmm. you know all mm-hmm. day long especially I have, with I, have to, I have to like make that calorie uh, line into like a banner and just like hang it. You don't get points <laughs> for burning calories. <laughs> like, like, right, like right up here somewhere, and that's gonna be the mile this year. I got it now. Locking my so, <laughs> so last one. Is there any tweak you're that you kind of you, you guys talked a little bit about hits and misses earlier? Is there any tweak to the strategy that you're kind of excited to apply in 2022, other than trying to you know win the game of chicken with each other when you're in a draft? Um, yeah, I think can. that I'll be looking more towards rookies, especially at mm-hmm. running back. I think that, uh, like people, uh, there have to be like a certain set of conditions for rookie running backs to succeed, but uh, in general, they're usually uh, lower than the you know the, the name guys. Um, and if they get into a situation like Cal said, where you know they, a guy gets injured or or something, or they can carve out a role even without anyone getting injured, then that's someone that I, I would like to take. How about you, Cal? The biggest thing I got to figure out, I think, right now is where I'm comfortable with tight ends because that again is another big part of the strategy for me. So. You know, I love, love, love Mark Andrews um, and what he did this year. But uh, what does the p- passing game do in Baltimore? Do they come back to, I mean, it was absurd the leap that they had. Did they come more back to the middle, like where they were? I, you know, I, I don't necessarily expect that, but um, yeah, I love Mark Andrews. Kyle Pitts, is he going to score one touchdown a year for the rest of his life? I hope not. Oh, please um, no. And it, you know where so Kelsey may still end up being a pretty viable you know guy that I like at ADP because I might even get him. Maybe I don't even have to spend a first round pick on him this year. You know, so I, yeah, that's the biggest one that I got that I kind of have to figure out, and and then and then it's honing in on like that ADP and where you know having that plan going in, and you know the only thing I want to hold, I guess, is maybe trying to figure out that strategy sooner. You know, so that my early drafts look a lot more like my later drafts. Awesome. How about you, Dan? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I'm not sure, honestly. To be fair, <laughs> I, I, I it, it's, it, it's really going to be, you know, pretty much a take it as it comes kind of thing. I think uh, doing it that way. Um, I, I there's like there's so many variables uh, to it. Uh, I'm not gonna like uh, try to like formulate until I'm probably like close to being there. Plus, yeah, there's so many. I mean, we still got free agency to go through. Yeah. We still got the draft. I mean, there's there there. I mean, what? It's we're five months from really starting. You know, any kind of serious draft, uh, at least redraft side. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we, mm-hmm. Dynasty will be its its own separate animal on you know with rookie drafts and everything like that. Uh, mis amigos, okay. Well, do you got time for one 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 quick fun one? Oh yeah. So I th- I threw in there. I, you know, I always love to ask people about tacos. Uh, so first off, Dan, were yes. you able to? Could could can I get a good taco in Mobile? Um. 
No. No? Okay. <laughs> no. It's 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 really big seafood base. You can get like a great oyster or a great po'boy tacos as far like from what I you know went to eat, not so much. Okay. Okay. So I gotta I gotta make sure when once I'm uh, I mean, you know. I've I've definitely had my fair share of uh, pool boys in Louisiana, so mm. uh, so I could just you know go over there. So now I have it from uh, New Orleans Saints beat writer that you can get great tacos in Nolens. So uh, any favorites from your you know that you've encountered, Cal? You know, I'm so not picky with my food, and being a guy <laughs> from New Orleans is so strange. I guess like everybody takes pride in their food, and I'm like the least picky person. Like I don't care. Like just you know, um, I, I I mostly if I'm gonna go like actually like hey something I really want to go get like you know there are there are some there's a there's a restaurant called Supreme Grill in New Orleans that's downtown. It's just outside of downtown. And the quesadillas are unbelievable there. I haven't had the tacos, but I, my, my guess is they are just as good. And it's it's like a local place. Like people go there a lot. Like they hang out. But it is a it's hopping every down there every night. And it's unbelievable food. So if you're ever in New Orleans, go check out Supreme, Supreme Grill. Oh, you got me hungry. You got me hungry. <laughs> awesome, my brother. Uh, well, guys. Thank you so much. Esto fue un gran placer, an incredible pleasure, un gran éxito. Uh, Dan, uh, I know you teased it a little bit, but uh, let, close up, let's close up shop. Where What are some of the things that they, where they can find you and what are they looking forward to? All right, so I obviously you can find me on Twitter, at EagleDanFF. I am doing a lot of stuff uh, dynasty-wise for Champions Round, uh, follow them at Champions Round. Uh, we're doing right now a combine preview of all the positions. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot, ton of that Dynasty content and some really exciting stuff coming down the pipeline, as well as doing some uh, social media and a uh, little show over at In Between Media. So there are a bunch of great people over there. Uh, I'll be doing uh, actually uh, debuting a new uh, segment there soon. So I'll be on the lookout for that. And uh, yeah, that's what's up with me. Awesome. How about you, Cal? Uh, so on Tuesday nights, I do a show with uh, Tyler Carp, uh, Ask DLF, where we just take questions for hour and a half, two hours, uh, something like that. And it's it's incredible. The chat room is awesome. They ask like a ton of questions, and it really is a place where uh, you can learn a lot about strategy. And just you could ask a bunch of questions there, and that's literally what we're there for. And, and I have so much fun with that. Uh, and then the Dynasty Refinery that you mentioned typically releases on Saturday. There is. Probably not going to be one this this week. Some scheduling issues with trying to get um, with between me, me and the guests right now. But definitely the week after, I got some really really cool um, yeah, some cool things I'll, I, that are, are going to be be released. Uh, follow me on Twitter, and I'll I'll have some previews and some announcements there on that. So. Yeah, familia, please follow them on Twitter. You got them. You can find me at Jorge Martin Seventeen because that's what's total for our show uh, again. Thank you to Fantasy Points for getting getting us into the media group. Uh, thank you to Anchor for putting our app, our Google, our podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify. Also, thank you to YouTube. We're live. We're still live. Please make sure to give us a like and subscribe. Also, you can find original content at familiaffb.com, and you know Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at familiaffb. So, otra vez to my guests, un millón de gracias, and everybody. Keep enjoying that that combine. Free agency is coming next week. 
Uh, actually, in two weeks. And remember, como siempre, todos somos familia. Salud.